Hello, uh, this is Blackner Radio. I'm your host solo again this week, Damon. Um, yeah, you know, uh, you're stuck with me again this week alone because uh, uh, no one. <laughs> uh, last week I was the flake, this week everyone else is the flake. So it's just me, and it might be me for a while, who knows. But, um, I'm here. <laughs> so uh let's get to it. So let's get right to it. Um, just a little bit of news. The writer's strike, we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. The writer's strike had ended. So it just seemed, no, you know, just seemed very likely that we that the actor's strike would, would also end because you can't have one without the other. And the writer's strike was a good deal. They got a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff they wanted and it's a pretty good deal, so it's good for three years. But the actors were in day 100 and still no deal. And like the writers, in order for this to go away and for all the needs to be met, is about 400, it's even less than the writers, it's $480 million between the studios. No one's willing to pony up. And, uh, you know, each studio is willing to fill that gap. So we're on day 100, which is the longest uh, strike for actors. The last one was uh, 67 days back in 1980. <clears throat> and uh, this one we're in day today is day 100. So it's just another case of studios being fucking greedy it's like, how big does your fucking yacht have to be? And uh, it just, I don't know, it's just gross. It just really, really upsets me. Um, but, um, yeah, that's uh, the actor strike as of right now. It is still going on, still ongoing. Um, last weekend, uh, I'm just going to start, I'm just going to ramble about stuff that's been on my mind or stuff I was going to talk about with someone else, but... I'll just uh I'll just power through. Um last weekend, like my girlfriend or my girlfriend, my fiance and I uh went to see Mike Epps. Mike Epps is a very funny comedian and actor. Um yeah, you may have known him from Next Friday, from he was in a lot of the Friday movies from Next Friday on the first one. Uh, it was Chris Tucker that played opposite Ice Cube, but this, you know, next Friday, the Friday after next, that was Mike Epps. Um, very funny comedian. He's one of those guys that's like naturally funny, and uh, but I've you know, I've never seen him live. Now my my fiance and I, Cashel, we, I'm a big, I'm like I'm a nerd, but I'm like in three 
four different things. Movies, all things film, all things music, comics, graphic novels, you know, books, and comedy. I'm a huge comedy fan. Now, Cashel and I, just in 20, we've been together two years, but just in 2023 alone, I'd say we've been to, just off the top of my head, maybe 10, 10 or 11 comedy shows. And we still have, I think, three more before the year's out that of, of comedians we're going to see. Uh, so we're big fans. And this is going to be a first for both of us. Now, she's kind of a passive Mike Epps fan. I'm a fan. I've seen his other stand-up. I've seen stuff he's been in. And uh, so I was looking forward to this. And it was not good. Now, once in a while, and it wasn't because, well, I think it was like two things. You know, usually when a comedian comes through town, they're either doing the hour they've built of comedy or you're seeing them during a building process. So a lot of times you'll see a comedian that seems really polished. They have a whole hour or a little more than an hour of material and it's just like bam, 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 down the line. That's usually a finished hour. Now, <clears throat> when when a comedian is touring, they're building a new hour. So a lot of times you'll get a comedian that's like part of their material seems very structured and rehearsed and then there's some that just seems very uh impromptu still funny but impromptu um improvised and uh uh it seemed like two things had happened when we saw him twofold so you know sometimes you're gonna have a comedian's gonna have an off night or they won't be as funny as you remember them if you've seen them live before. So you got to kind of take that into account. But it seemed like he not only was building a new hour and had no material, it seems like he got a little too high or drunk before coming out. He joked because the show was uh, 30 minutes late already. It was 30 minutes late. And uh, we forgave it because the first guy was super funny. And then uh, Mike came out, and the first thing he says, "I I got a little, I got a little too high and drunk. I was in the back doing drugs." He's like joking, you know, and everyone laughs. And uh, and it, it seemed like a lot of it was a lot of people's first because they were super pumped to see him. Uh, first time seeing him live, maybe, but it seemed like he was was a little too high or drunk. And because he seemed lost, he seemed to laugh a lot at his own jokes that weren't even funny. Like he was laughing at stuff like I could tell you could tell he was like laughing at stuff he thought was funny before he said it. So you it was a lot of him laughing, then him delivering the joke, then the punchline. And then we kind of chuckle or laugh because sometimes it was hit or miss. And he just really seemed kind of just floundering, just kind of lost it was just really a terrible show, and it didn't help that the audience sucked. Sometimes you'll get a group of people, which was really weird because it wasn't like they went to see comedy and they didn't know who was coming up. This was someone everyone had paid good money to see, and they were his people. They are there for him, and it was just a 
kind of a lame show. It wasn't very good. It seemed very disjointed and like we're just watching someone just riff and not really give a shit. And it really felt like that. So I don't think I'm ever going to go see him again when he comes through. Polished or not, it really soured me. It really soured me. Which is a shame because I'm a big fan and I'm a big comedy fan. That I don't think I would pay to see another Mike Epps show. Because it wasn't cheap either. So, I don't know. That was a shame. Um... I guess let's talk about what we what I've been watching. Um, well, I've been really getting into Loki. Uh, got into uh, it's. I don't know. It's um, it's good. It's one of my favorite Marvel shows, and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of this season. You kind of have to pay attention because the time stuff. It's you know it's based in you know he's. Loki's in the TVA, which are basically the time police. And uh, he went from being someone who was sentenced to die because of it and ended up working with them, for them. And so it's a lot of jumping around. So it's easy to get, if you're not paying attention, it's easy to go like, okay, what, 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 what is this? What's going on here? So, but I like, I like the show a lot. So uh, that's... Uh, that's one of the things I've been watching a lot of. Uh, I've really been getting in The Bear. Uh, the more I watch this show, the more I get why people liked it. Um, it's really good. It really does nail down working in a kitchen. If you've ever worked in a kitchen, uh, like, you know, as a cook, a line cook, or a waiter, waitress, if you ever worked in, you know, uh, food service, it nails, like, the vibe and the way uh people are in that in that industry it's just and the story's good it's a, a compelling story i don't know i really uh i really like it it's you know it's it's a good show i mean shit i'm so late to the party on it uh so but i'm just glad i'm finally watching it now um another show that i really gotten into uh is the american horror story uh delicate is the new one i think it's called delicate it's not the best but the story is compelling i really want to see how it ends so i'm really looking forward to how the story ends but i'm not it's not like the best story it's not super you know compelling i mean it's compelling enough it's basically a rosemary's baby story but it's not uh it's not as good as other seasons, but it's it's good enough to want to keep watching it. <clears throat> another show, um, another show that I've been uh, watching. Well, that's it, not fair. Um, I've only watched the first episode. There's six episodes in this in this show, and it's John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. Um, anyone who knows me knows you know i'm <clears throat> i guess you could say amateur filmmaker uh but i always joke that i'm a bit of a john carpenter hack he's like my biggest influence i'm a big fan of him and his story and just i'm a big john carpenter fan and some of his movies are some of my absolute favorite movies period 
But uh, so when I saw this show come up, I jumped at watching it. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it takes, what it does is it takes um, real stories, like true crime stories or paranormal stories. <gasps> Excuse me, Jesus. Or it just takes different scary stories. Uh, like one guy um, says he had a, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. But one guy says he had um, had an experience with a, a ghost after playing on a Ouija board. Uh, one episode's called A Killer Comes Home. It's a story of an abusive killer or an elusive killer who went on a murder spree in his hometown and then uh, recounted by the newspaper editor and publisher who became his targets after covering the story. Uh, So there's all real stories, but with like a John Carpenter stink on it, you know, to make it more spooky. So I've only watched the first one, which is Kelly. And this is a guy who uh, accidentally summons a ghost of a local murder victim who who uh, and two witnesses tell the tale of how this relentless spirit attached herself to the guy. And uh, it, I don't know, I was... After about 20 minutes, I was bored out of my mind, and I barely finished the first episode. Now, I don't, yeah, it looks like John Carpenter only directed one episode. I'm not even sure which episode that one is, Uh, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I wasn't impressed with the show. So, okay, he directed uh, one called Phone Stalker, which is like the last episode of this run. I've only seen one of the six, so which was not that. It was called Kelly. So, I don't know. I'll come back to it. I'm going to – by the time this uh, – air, by the time the next episode airs, I probably will have watched if one, if not all of the episodes. So, I'll let you know. Uh, but – as as heartbreaking as for me to say, I wasn't impressed. I was really bored with the first episode. I was just kind of waiting for it to end so I could see where it was going. But even that was becoming a chore. I started playing on my phone, and it just was boring as shit. And so I hope because there's different directors <clears throat> that the stories are a little better. Well, you know, so... We'll see. Um, another show. Oh, another show, which I did not think I was going to like. Uh, oh, and by the way, that John Carpenter show is on Peacock. Um, another show on Peacock that I did not think I was going to like, but ended up liking a lot, which is odd. Uh, it's um, called... Uh, Wolf Like Me. And it's this guy. Oh, gosh. 
it's this guy that um he lives in Australia. I think it's yeah, the the guy is played by uh God, what is his name? It was kinda Yeah, Josh Gad and Eliza Fisher. If you remember Eliza Fisher, she was like the redhead on uh Wedding Crashers. She's she's in a lot of stuff, but um this is a comedy drama. Now I've watched some comedy dramas uh with Cashel. We'd always like have a show that we like to watch together, you know. Uh before that it was uh it was the Idris Alba airplane show hijacked and then before that it was um <clears throat> um what is his name? Jason Sudeikis, soccer coach. Um Oh, this is going to bug the shit out of me. Um, oh, God. Oh, um, Jason Sudeikis. This is, oh, this is, uh, riveting radio. Uh, Iowa, I look up shit. Ted Lasso, Jesus Christ. Uh, we had that show we watched together. So we have we usually have a show we watch together. And she suggested this show, Wolf Like Me. And I'll read you a quick, quick synopsis. Uh, Mary's universe collides with Gary's and his daughter. But as their connection deepens, they worry their respective baggage will tear them apart. Now, the trailer leads you to believe like it's, you know... Almost a rom com kind of relationship show. And, you know, I like I like Josh Gad. I've seen him in other stuff. And, uh, you know, I like Liza Fisher, too. She's pretty pretty cool. But um, right away, you if you don't, if you go in cold like I did, you don't know what the twist is. I figured out the twist, and I was told, you know, because she was like, that's not what this show is you're always putting a horror spin on stuff because i'm just gonna give you a slight spoiler the show is good it's a lot of fun to watch it if you're in a couples watch it together you know because everybody gets something especially if you like horror um but uh it turns out he meets this woman he's a widowed he's a widower and he's raising his daughter and she has a lot of anxieties a lot of issues and uh he's you know, he's he feels like he's failing because he's not really reaching her. No one is since the mom died. And he, you know, he died. She died when the, the girl was five and she's like 10 now. So um, he meets her and this woman's able, you know, he, he gets in a fender bender and his daughter has a panic attack and the woman that had the fender bender with, which is played by Eliza Fisher, she talks her down. So he was like impressed, you know, because no one's ever been able to like get his daughter to calm down during one of her attacks. And one thing leads to another, and they go on a date, and they really like each other. And the date's going well, but uh, they're in a basement bar where there's no windows. And soon she realizes it's getting dark, she just runs home. And but she took his keys, and uh, on accident. So he, you know, this is the whole show takes place in Australia, 
Uh, they're not Australians, but they take place. It takes place in Australia. They just happen to live there, and um, he runs to her house and he sees her like uh, get ready to lock herself into like a basement. She's built this basement. It's kind of like a fortress, and there's like animals down there. You can hear them, like chickens and a goat. And basically, you find out what he finds out that she is a werewolf, and. Uh, it was a night of a full moon, and she lost track of time, and she wanted to get home before she changed. Well, the way she has her house set up, it locks down, so you can't get in or leave that house. So uh, she's locked in the basement, and he's kind of stuck there, and he noted, you know, so it's just back and forth. You find out uh, he's freaked out, rightfully so. If you go on a date with someone and they turn out to be a werewolf, I guess you'd be freaked out too. But... um it's a good show. I did not think I would like it. I thought, oh, this is going to be corny bullshit that we never see the wolf and nothing ever happens. It, I was wrong. You see her kill a couple people, <laughs> a few people. And they have it coming, but she kills them nonetheless. And uh, no, I it's, it's a good show. Uh, it's t- uh, we came late because season two starts uh, this week. And uh, we finished season one like in like four days. They're only you know, it's a new format of show, so it's only like eight eight episodes. But uh, it's pretty digestible. It's about forty minutes an episode. Very good show. Wolf like me, I recommend it. Um, there is also some celebrity deaths. Uh. Suzanne Summers from Three's Company's fame. Uh, she died at 70. She was 74. And uh, cancer sucks. Um, she, uh, she's, she's battling cancer for like 20 years or something. But uh, I don't know. She was, I, I remember um, people like... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, people were like, uh, she was a heart throb, and uh, but she wasn't mine uh, for me. I for me, it was all about. I'm such a weird dude. Like everyone, I remember when Three's Company was a thing in the early '80s, and uh, and I used to watch the show, and everyone, you know, Chrissy, which played with Susan Summers, and you know, the big bubbly blonde, big boob bubbly blonde. But I always had a thing for Janet the the brunette and uh it's it's just it's just how i am i guess i'm just a weird dude that way like when charlie's angels was a thing like god i'm really dating myself but when charlie's angels was a thing you know and the the show not the movies not the shitty movies but um bo derrick not bo derrick um uh farrah fawcett everyone talked about farrah fawcett and and uh She's, you know, she was good looking, you know, and she was, you know, the, her poster was the most purchased poster in the history of posters. Uh, everyone seemed to have that poster. But I was all about the brunette, Kate Jackson, who was kind of, kind of just weird. It was weird. I don't know. I was, as a kid, I was more attracted to her, even though she was kind of twiggy, kind of super thin. But uh, I just liked Kate Jackson more. 
everyone was like, oh, you know, Farrah Fawcett, and I was like, eh, Kate Jackson, she's the she's the one to she's the one to you know to be with. But I'm just a weird dude. And another uh, celebrity death was not expecting. It was, well, the reason I wasn't expecting it wasn't because I thought he was doing great, but uh, Burt Young, the guy who played uh, Uncle Polly in the Rocky movies. He passed away at 83. Here's the fucking crazy thing. I thought he was already dead. I thought he died years ago, but apparently not. But um, yeah, he was 83. He died today. So it's like all the people I grew up watching are slowly getting old as I'm getting old. It's just I know that's how things work. But it, it's just weird when it when you when it happens to you when you like every week or every few months someone dies that you grew up watching and they were always there. So now when they're gone, it's like wow, what a bummer. It's just one of those things. I never really uh, both celebrities that wasn't like super fans or anything, but they were just always there. So it's just weird that now they're not, they're gone. But um. I'm going to break from this part of the show to play the segment Horror Corner with Audra and I. We review another movie, and then we'll come back, and I'll talk about some trailers of some stuff I want to see, and then that'll be that. So uh, stay tuned for the next segment, Horror Corner. Hello, welcome to the Horror Corner. Uh, I'm here with Adra. Hello. And uh, this week's uh, movie is a little known. I've I've kind of heard about it, but I I never you know didn't didn't go to see it in the theaters. In fact, I couldn't find it in theaters, at least near me. And then if it was in the theater, it was only like one time, you know, just like one sh- one showing per day. Anyway, yeah, this had a limited release. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, the movie is Cobweb, nineteen or two thousand twenty three movie, starring Homelander. Lizzie, yeah, <laughs> uh, Anthony Starr, who most known as Homelander, uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Um, Oh, what else was she in? She probably seen her in. Oh, she was in Cloverfield. She was the girl that exploded oh, okay. in Cloverfield. Okay, that's where I've seen her. And she was also in Mean Girls, which is a movie my daughter likes. Oh but, well, um, she's thirteen. She, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Cleopatra Coleman uh, played uh, substitute teacher Miss Divine. Who is way hotter outside of this movie than in this movie? Like Jesus Christ, well, she was pretty. Stunning. Yeah, yeah, but they really, they really uh, toned down her looks. It's, is it so, kind of like the difference between Brienne of Tarth and what she, what the actress really looks like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like she's hotter as Brienne of Tarth, and then you see her in real life, you're like, oh, well, she's cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, I think she would have stood out too much if she looked the way she really looks. Well, but, she um, was playing a, a freaking grade school teacher. They're not exactly glammed up, you know. Yeah, a substitute grade school. Teacher. A gra- yeah, a substitute. But uh, and Woody Norman, who uh, is a, uh, I think is he's in actually was in the other movie that we were going to watch uh, 
Last Voyage of Demeter. And he's also in, um, uh, well, a bunch of other smaller stuff. Anyway, so let's read a quick synopsis and then we'll break this movie down. Uh, again, folks, there's no spoilers. Yeah, as much as about it. as much as we may want to scream them, we're gonna we're gonna hold back. Yes, yes. Um, an eight-year-old boy tries to investigate the mysterious knocking sounds that are coming from inside the walls of his house, unveiling a dark secret that this that his sinister parents have kept hidden from him. Now. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yep. His parents were a real piece of work. Man. Oh, dude, dude. Uh, first Jesus. of all, first of all, this movie should just be called Gaslighting Children. Yeah. <laughs> and I was Holy like, shit. remember, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the text I sent you when I was watching it, which is before you watched it. And his mother reminded me of shit my mother said to me when I was about that same age. And it, Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. The whole like. The, when he embarrassed her and she's just like, oh, my son is an active imagination. My mother would say that shit and then she would turn to me and be like, how dare you embarrass me in front of people? So I, th- that's what I was getting from her. And then I realized, oh, no, she's just gaslighting. Okay. Trope one. Yeah. Trope one. <laughs> yeah. So. But uh, oh, his parents were fucking just, they're just, oh, God. No wonder that kid was. The kid had a horrible life. Yes. He was bullied at home. He was bullied at school. His dad was and, Homelander. Yeah. <laughs> this that, the guy's a good villain. He plays a good villain. Yeah. He does, you know. He's just like... Uh, and even if, if I see... He's played Homelander so well, which is a villain. And he plays this so well. This is the uh, only other thing I've seen him in. But um, that, at least that I remember. Anyway, um, when... Um, I see him in something where he's not the villain. I'm going to have a hard time believing it until yeah. the movie's over. I'm going to think, all right, when's he going to turn? Because well, he's such a piece of shit. He did in this movie. In this movie, well, as Homelander too. Um, yeah. He's he's from New Zealand, so I'm sure if we looked up some New Zealand shows, you would find a whole lot more. But yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, like he literally was kind of typecast in this movie as that kind of villain and yeah he was just as bad as the mother in different ways yeah she was bad too she, yeah. she was evil child anyway, abuse, uh, child abuse. Yeah. <laughs> so the kid is hearing these noises and talking and uh without giving anything away over the course before it's just knocking and a noise here and there and here's something uh i uh, just out the gate i didn't think this movie was terrible but uh, <sighs> it's tropey yeah. Oh, yeah. It's almost by it's like uh, by numbers. You can all you know you know eventually he's going to meet what is making the noise, and you know his parents are on on a level. Although, and then that the he actually starts having conversations with this thing in the wall. And, trope two, uh, trope three. No, we're on to trope three now. And it's kind <laughs> of guiding him to get out and. Uh, and there was one scene when the when the boy he's talking to the mom or just before the mom uh well god he's talking to the mom and she's like uh she gives him a piece of information and I was like, you know, part of the reason they're they're this way is because they don't want him to discover what is behind that wall. But at the same token, if they weren't such monsters, 
Well, they were monsters. They were so obvious. It was just, it was like watching a a 60s or 70s TV show where they're like, don't do that. We don't want you to do that. We're not going to tell you anything. So you're going to make him want to do it more. Yeah. If they were just, I mean, what they did is inexcusable. Right. But at the same token, if they were a little bit honest with him, it wouldn't have gone the way it did. Yep. But, um, you know, this is stupid. Anyway, he, uh, his, uh, uh, some of it though, it was just super. It's like the, some of the dream sequences. Yeah. Super. This movie did did deliver on the creep factor. I mean, it was really well shot, and some of the gags were, uh, some of the sequences were really well executed. Yeah, but they were okay. Every one of them had been seen before. The way oh, the mon- yeah. the way uh, the way the monster moves has been done so many times over the last twenty years. Okay. Oh yeah. Um. It just, I even even the later on the masks that was all uh what uh the what's the movie the not the uh, purge that you know we we had aspects of like the grudge we had aspects of purge we had aspects of pretty much every fucking slasher movie you've ever seen. Right, so, it is very uh very paint by numbers, and it has actually yeah it's been done better other places, yep. but it wasn't terrible. No, but and, I see why it wasn't a, a big success because anyone who watched this is like, well, I've seen this a hundred times before in other movies. And, and what uh, floors me is I'm the one that suggested this. And yeah. I had seen previews. I've seen the previews and it was the, mostly the dream sequence in the trailer, right? Yeah. And I thought, ooh, this looks cool. And then I watched another YouTube channel that was talking about <clears throat> the 10 best horror movies so far of 2023 and of course this the, was on the list this was on the list and it was like he started with no one will save you and then went to angry black girl and her monster and then it was the uh, the vo- last voyage of demeter and then it was this and i'm like okay and then i was like no, okay maybe no, it no. is good and i'm sitting here going what the hell no 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 <laughs> no this has been done so many times before yeah no, i just i just appalled wasn't... Yeah, that's that's uh, that is a bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, yeah, and and now I'm never watching that channel again. <laughs> yeah, oh, who was it? Do you know? Oh, I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. It's not a not uh, it's not the pirate guy, is it? No, no, not the pirate guy. But I've seen that one, and he's boring. But um, another yeah, young guy, another young guy. I think he was um, Australian, so. No. Well, uh, yeah, so it, it was okay. It was just okay. Hey, this movie was shot in Bulgaria, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of a funny thing. Um, this movie was a colossal failure. It has a budget of $35 million and worldwide gross is $7.5 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 7.8, sorry, 7.8. That's because they've seen the movie before, just in different incarnations. <laughs> yeah, it was just very... Uh, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm not like, like, you know, we said before, we're not like pissed off because we didn't drive to the theater, have to sit in a room full of people we don't know, eating popcorn in our ears and talking. So, you know, we just are like, meh. <laughs> but I yeah, think, it was very, very mad. I think if we'd have gone to see this in the theater, we'd have been pissed. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. It was definitely one of those, uh, you know, fold your laundry movies, like something to have one in the background while you're doing other things. Yeah, and the a- 
acting wasn't bad and like you said the 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 way it was shot was really well done if done before you know? oh yeah it's very competently done and i mean and the, there was a jump scare that got me even though i knew it was coming it still got me so we'll give it that yeah 100 percent. so and cobweb bleh, <sighs> you know and um I uh, I'm I'm just gonna say I am picking next week's movie. Fine, <laughs> fine. You, but, uh, hey, but what? By the way, guys, when he's saying that, making it sound like yes, I picked a bad movie. But when I said, hey, how about Cobweb and the Voyage of the Last Demeter? Hey, he's like, hey, I've been hey. wanting to see both of those. So uh, I did, but I also <laughs> they weren't gonna be on my list. They weren't gonna be on my list for this month. But uh, there they are movie they it was a movie I was on my list to watch, but it wasn't gonna be one I picked for this month. But so, uh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a very mediocre if I had to, I don't like to give ratings, but if I had to give a rating, I'd give it a two out of five. Yeah. Just right down the middle. Yep. You know, it's just I've seen it before. Yeah, I almost want to give away the, the give away the uh, what's happening. It mm-hmm. only to make our review more interesting than the movie, but I don't want to do that. No, nope, we'll, nope. we'll stick to our rule. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. All right. Um. So, folks, uh, we will go back to our regularly scheduled Black Nerd Radio podcast, but we will also be back next week uh, with uh, our next week's movie. I'm not sure what we're going to pick yet. I have a list, but we'll I'll, we'll we'll see. Okie dokie. So we'll see you next week. Woo! <clears throat> Trailers. Well, the first one, uh, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to want to see this movie because the story is wild. The real true story of the uh, Von Erich brothers wrestling family from the early 80s. It's a true story. Zach Efron is playing... Uh, is playing um, Kevin Von Erich, Aaron Erich, and uh, uh, Jeremy Allen White is playing Carrie Von Erich, and Harris Dickin- Dixon Dickinson is playing David Von Erich. Uh, look, just Google it. It's a wild story between this this wrestling family, but uh, that comes out in December. It's like a Christmas movie. It's not a it's not a happy tale, but uh it's definitely an interesting one. Um of course, uh Deadpool three. Looking forward to that. Uh that's supposed to come out in May though. I've been but they're showing trailers again because uh Rider Strike's over, so I guess they still have some stuff to do or to reshoot. But Deadpool three, of course. Um this Next movie is going to be crap, but it's like going to be like a guilty pleasure. I want to see it anyway. Uh, it is Jason Statham's The Beekeeper. Uh, now, there's a lot of hints that it's not going to be great because David Ayer is the director. Now, David Ayer has done some great movies like End of Watch, and um, he wrote... Uh, uh, the screenplay for Training Day. I mean, he's done some good work, but he's also directed shit like um, Street Kings, 
Uh, Sabotage was a really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger cop movie. Uh, Suicide Squad, not the good one, the bad one with Will Smith. Um, and Bright, remember that that Will Smith movie, Bright, where the in the world were fairies and goblins and uh, basically Lord of the Rings and the Hood. Um, uh, so he's got some hits and some misses, so this could go either way. But uh, the movie's also coming out January 12th. Which the month of January and February are the two months, particularly January, but February f- falls into this too a little bit. Um, they're typically months where movie studios put their, their garbage movies, movies that, they've, that have they've been made that they don't have a lot of faith in. They're like, well, this is kind of a piece of shit, and, but we got to get – we have to, you know, write it off. We got to get the tax write off, so we still got to release it. A lot of studios will dump their movies in the month of January because it's right after holidays. You know, it's right after Christmas and Thanksgiving, and so people aren't spending a lot of money. They're kind of recouping from all the money they spent for Christmas, and so they're not going out as much. It's just historically that's the way it's been. So they like, oh, let's just put it out then. It's a little, you know, it's not a lot of stakes. It's up going to be up against other movies that other studios feel exactly the same way about their movies that we feel about this particular movie. Or once in a blue moon, you kind of get like um, uh, uh, a movie that's actually good that's been thrown in that uh, in that time slot because the studio didn't just didn't get it. And didn't realize they had a hit on their hands, kind of like, uh, kind of like um, the first Deadpool, actually. But you know, they thought they'd put it there because they didn't have a lot of faith in it. But also, it wouldn't be up against anything super big. So it, it, you know, so if it did relatively well, it would just be better to chance. If it's you know halfway decent, they'd figure they'd just hedge their bets a little bit. But the Beekeeper with um, Jason Statham. It just looks like uh, just an excuse to just shoot a, shoot them up, kill people. Looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it looks stupid as fuck, but I want to see it. <laughs> I saw the trailer. I was like, God damn it. I'm going to go see this movie. I just know it. But uh, And finally, comes out next month, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Now... Uh, I don't know if any of you guys remember the about, I think two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I think, um, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did a movie together, uh, called uh, Grindhouse. It's basically a two-hour movie. They each got an hour to tell a story. It's like a, and <laughs> it played out like a like a you know drive-in theater movie, and they're in between. The movies were a bunch of fake trailers in the beginning, in the middle, and at the end were these fake trailers. Um, and one of them was done by Eli Roth. Rob Zombie did one. It was a really good one. She-Wolves of the SS. Anyway, I was, uh, Eli Roth did one called uh, Thanksgiving. It's like of all the, you know, the, you have Friday the 13th. You have April Fool's Day. You have... Uh, Halloween. You have all these horror movies that are based on some kind of holiday. 
And uh, so he thought he'd do one for Thanksgiving. There's not one for Thanksgiving. And um, it, it was a cool trailer. It was a fun, funny trailer. It was like... Uh, it was like uh, nineteen. It was like a nineteen late seventies, early eighties style slasher film trailer. Anyway, uh, he had talked about. Well, I think I'm going to make a movie based on this short, and you know he said that like back in 2010. So here we are, you know, 20 years later, and we're finally getting that movie. So. And it looks like it's going to deliver on horror gore. So I'm there. I'm so there. Oh, it's It looks like it's uh, coming out the week of uh, Thanksgiving. So hell to the yes. I'm seeing this bad boy. But um, so that's trailers. Um, I don't know. I You know what? I, I might be a solo podcast next week, too. Who knows? Uh, everyone seems to be kind of just flaking on it and I'm the only one trying to keep this podcast alive. So we'll see. Uh, see you next week.